It is Wednesday the 16th of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, how are you my friend? You got a big day planned? Got a big day planned, Timmy. I have a little business lunch on in the city, down the rocks at the um, the old Lord Nelson pub. And I think today on the menu for me is going to be a big snitty. I reckon a palmy. I reckon. What do you reckon? That sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a double serve of gravy on the side. <laughs> oh, yes. Extra chips. Yeah, if you're going to go hard, you've got to go hard, 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 <laughs> don't you? There's no question about that. We've got a huge show today. Of course, the AFL starts tonight. The grand final rematch, Western Bulldogs and the Melbourne Demons. Nick Kyrgios in another blow-up. And, of course, this test match, Australia-Pakistan. How's it going to end? John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Shane, Nick Kyrgios, well, uh, he's had an ongoing feud with a number of players, but uh, playing well at Indian Wells, but he's blown up again. He has, and it's uh, it's funny what motivates old Nick. Uh, He had a run-in with uh, the world number eight. He actually beat him um, 6-4-6-4, but it goes back to a a game they played in 2019 where Casper Rude called him, uh, Nick, an idiot. So he has a long memory of Nick Kyrgios, and he said after he beat him 6-4-6-4, sat down next to him and... He was heard saying, I hear nothing now, no talking, no fucking nothing, mate. So he's uh, he's had a real dip at him, but uh, played really, really, really well. Nick, 6-4, Wouldn't you love to see a little bit of consistency? Like, he's just showing how mm. good he can be, isn't he? And and that's just not a win. That's a, that's a really strong win. I think if he could channel a little bit of his blow-up environment into something else, uh, yeah. who knows? He, he could possibly, possibly meet his potential, but we've been saying that for a long, st- a long time. Now, Pakistan captain uh, Baba Azhar, arm. He's broken a 767-day century drought, and the Australians, look, they've left them 500 to get to win this test match, but I don't know. Uh, a day to play, I don't think Pakistan will win, but uh, they don't look like they're going to get many wickets. They've only got two. Yeah, Australia declared second innings two for 92, as you said, set Pakistan, I suppose, the impossible target of 506. Well, it seems impossible, but if you look at it now, Pakistan are two for 192, only the two wickets from the Aussies. Um, as you said, uh, Baba Azhar scoring his first century in 767 days. But that leaves Pakistan only 314 to get. Uh, 314 runs with eight wickets in hands, not unachievable. Um, but you'd have to think a couple of earlier wickets from the Aussies, the wicket keeping down a little bit. We are in the box seat, but we're going to have to work really, really hard. Ian Healy wasn't happy with some of the commentary. Yeah, well, the wicket keepers definitely stick up for each other. And Ian Healy came out and, and said the commentary was really pathetic. Basically, he said they didn't even talk about once the ball went past the stumps. And he said some of the work that Alex Carey was doing, particularly when Mitchell Stark was reverse swinging the ball, uh, the ball was going down the side and, and uh, Carey was diving and the ball was often 
landing in front of him due to a you know the subcontinent slow wickets and he said he, he was really tidy and picked it up and and deserved a lot more plaudits than he got yeah interesting stuff now Australia demolishes the West Indies in the women's World Cup they're, they're going along beautifully yeah, there's no real team that's sort of jumping out that you'd think can actually take the Aussies down once again uh Elise Perry um stood up she took two early wickets uh you know, having West Indies two for four. The West Indies only ended up scoring 150 and the Aussies once again cruised to victory, getting it with seven wickets in hand. So they're looking really, really strong, the Aussie girls. And um, you'd have to think, based on this form, and particularly all players within that team doing well, you'd have to think they're odds-on favourites to win this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Just ticking along really mm. nicely, both with the ball and the bat. Uh, that's the Australian women's team. Now, Cameron Bancroft, of course, his name has been in headlights for a lot of the long reason, uh, wrong reasons over the years, but uh, he's just quietly um, going about his work and, and scoring a lot of runs. He, his name hasn't been mentioned recently for, for test or international selection. No, and uh, he's famous for uh, the sandpaper gate issue and uh, being the guy right at the forefront of, of using sandpaper. Um, he hasn't played test cricket since 2019, but he scored his first first class century this year, a, a really classy 117 against New South Wales, who have a very, very good attack. And they said the wicket was doing quite a bit and the outfield was quite slow as well. So 117 is a really classy knock. Clearly this guy, he's 29 years of age now, is a very, very good player. But uh, those issues that he had with the sandpaper gate have obviously tarnished his whole reputation and career. Do you think you'll play Test cricket again? No, I don't think he will, mate. I think uh, I think those days are gone. He's 29 years of age, and I just think there's too much water under the bridge for him to be uh, called back in. Saying that, Osman Khawaja probably thought he was never going to play again either a couple of years ago, so things can happen. But I dare say this guy, uh, has, ship has sailed. The other thing I was wondering about yesterday as I was watching some of the cricket, when do you think they'll make a permanent decision on the coach, the the change from Justin Langer? Of course, he's no longer there and there's guys filling in, but no one's been named coach permanently. Well, I think, Timmy, it'll come down to what happens today, uh, this last day of the Test match. If Australia win this and mm. somehow get the eight wickets and have their first win in Karachi, I think, ever, um, and then hold off the last game and win the series in Pakistan 1-0, I think they will continue with uh, the current coaching um, setup they've got right now. If they lose this series somehow, I think Trevor Bayless will come in. But, um, yeah, it's a big, big day for all involved in this cricket test match. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's a big, big day for the AFL because it all starts tonight, the competition of 2022. So much expectation. We'll talk about that in just a tick, the NRL and much, much more. So what are you going to do tonight? It's the grand final rematch, Melbourne and uh, the Western Bulldogs. Shane, have you got your uh, your gear ready? We know that you have this habit of uh, getting in the getting in the footy clothes, mouth guards, and everything else. I'm not sure the AFL shorts fit anymore, mate, but uh, I'll have the mouth guard in nonetheless. Um, no, I'm really looking forward to this clash between the Bulldogs and, and Melbourne, uh, the the grand final replay. It'll be really really good to see where Melbourne is at yep. and and where the Bulldogs are at as well. And I think it's going to be a, a fantastic match between these two. What about Paddy McCartan? One thousand three hundred and fifty-one days in AFL exile, set to end on Saturday when he debuts for the Sydney Swans. Yeah, what an amazing story! The ex-Saints player has um, been given a lifeline by the Swans, and the Swans can do this. Swans can really turn a player's career around. They bring someone in who has been in exile, as you said, for thirteen hundred and fifty-one days. 
um, and he's going to make his debut for the Swans versus GWS and what will be a huge match for, for, for the Swans, particularly if uh, Buddy kicks his 1,000th goal. So I'm sure he'll be really, really looking forward to not only playing but putting in a good performance. How do you think your mob will go this year? I think the Swans will be up there, mate. I think they'll be probably fifth or sixth um, depending on injuries, but they have a fantastic young midfield um, and a couple of young players who were sort of uh, playing there for rookie season last year, I think theirs is going to improve out of sight. And I think the Swans have plenty of options around the pack to score a lot of points. Uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground decided to, or, you know, the the whole of venues New South Wales, basically the decision to honour Arthur Beaton at the Sydney Football Stadium. Um, I think that's a good decision. I think it's a fantastic decision. I think Artie Beaton was uh, someone who... Uh, well, transcended football itself. I think he was a key guy that really was part of State of Origin and what that means now. Um, they work, They overturned this decision a few years ago and they were going to name it Garrison Stand, uh, you know, with thoughts around the whole military um, involvement of that part of Sydney. Um, but I think it's really, really important that they have named it the Audi Beatson Stand. I think it's a, it's a great honour for him and his family. Rugby league fans, I tell you, watch, they're, they're loving the... Um Watching the uh, the league on TV, aren't they? Fox, Del KO TV ratings exploded in uh, round one, and of course, KO one of our sponsors. Yeah, they are, and fantastic numbers for them. The average audience for round one of the rugby league was four hundred thirty six thousand. That's up fifteen percent from last year. Big big numbers. Surprisingly, the the number one, and it was a record, was five hundred forty seven thousand people watched the Melbourne versus West Tigers game. Um, so that's huge for the for the West Tigers, um, but it just goes to show there's a lot of people who love footy, particularly in Melbourne as well. Yeah, Darius Boyd, and you would have seen this because you're a big SAS, maths, you love all that stuff. He's come out and <laughs> admitted to cheating on his partner. I think we've seen that before, but um, uh, there's, a, there's the most I've ever seen him talk. Remember that famous media mm. conference in Wollongong where he sort of basically <laughs> gave one word sort of monosyllabic responses? I do. This was actually really hard to watch, Timmy, and... In, in that SAS, it, it's, it mm. seems real to me anyway, watching it. Maybe I'm, I'm a bit silly believing that, but uh, how they strip people back. And he admitted to having a, a real lonely time in his life. He said he had a lot of um, mental health issues. Um, and he admitted cheating on his partner. Um, it appears that he's back with her now and his family, so uh, you know, hopefully he's going a lot better. But it was really, really sad to watch. And he sort of said, oh, I grew up with no father. I had no ro- sort of male role models in my family. And his mother was estranged from him at the age of 15. So Wayne Bennett became his sort of pseudo-father for many years, and that's why he sort of followed him around the football world. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, look, he seems to be on on the right track now. Yeah, Yeah. look, I quite enjoyed the programs as well, but they certainly go for the angle, don't they, the story. Like, I'll bring in number 12, and it's always some yarn about something about their life. So, uh, look, they... uh, they certainly try to uh, work to a formula, and it seems to be successful. Uh, now, Ange Postacoglu talking about working to a formula. Celtic uh, to take on Glasgow rivals Rangers for the Scottish Cup. And as Australia obviously battles Japan this week in this heavy road or difficult road to the World Cup finals, uh, Ange Postacoglu flying in Scotland. He is flying, but it'll all come down to... Uh you know, the big game between Celtic and Rangers won't be in the final, it'll be in the semi-final um, and all will be forgotten if he loses the semi-final and he doesn't get to the final here but uh, yeah, a huge match, Celtic take on the Rangers and you'd have to think if fans wins this, uh, Celtic will go on and win the whole uh, competition uh, itself but a big, big match, not only for Celtic but for uh, for the coach Ange who's had a, had a fantastic season 
How good's Cameron Smith, the, the mullet-wearing Australian golfer? I think he's about five million with winning that Players' Championship, and he just seems so relaxed. He he comes out and talks about how he's a pie eater and loves his fishing. He's he's a classic superstar. He's very unaffected, isn't he? And uh, I tell you what, the guy can putt. I've never seen anyone putt mm. better than what what he did in, in this tournament. He was, uh, yeah, he really wavered on, on a few tee shots, but uh, every time he got even close to the hole, he was sinking putts from left, right, and centre, and uh, he had five million dollars. That doesn't that probably makes you a bit more relaxed too, Timmy, with that sort of cash coming in for a win. Oh yeah, I'm sure it puts a lot of things uh, in perspective. <laughs> you don't have to worry about too much when you're earning that sort of coin. And um, I, I think what you, the point you make there is that he's unaffected, and I think that Australians mm. really sort of are warm to people that they can relate to. Yeah, look, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, everyone sort of can imagine themselves, you know, I'm just a guy from the from Queensland or whatever and I've got a mullet and I go down and play a bit of golf on the weekend and people start to put themselves in his shoes and I think that's what's pretty special about this bloke. Lewis Hamilton changing his name. This is to honour his mother. Yeah, what, what a lovely thought. And he said he could never really get his head around why uh, the, the, the female takes the male's name. Um, mm. history so he's going to change his name properly by depot to lewis hamilton labster um, which is his mother's maiden name so he'll have mm. a hyphenated surname and so, so a real big honor for, for not only for for his mother but his mother for his mother's family as well yeah very nice gesture it makes mm. him harder to report on but um <laughs> lewis hamilton a lot easier to say now what about this notorious pitch invader in the uk we've seen him a few times he's come out and sort of uh, assembled in cricket teams and others with the uniform on. Well, he's he's tried a little bit too hard. Is it Jarvo? I think his name is, uh, or his nickname is, and he's tried to assemble himself amongst the English rugby union team, and he got whacked. He got absolutely flogged, isn't he? Now this guy is notorious by sneaking out in the uniform and, and sort of lining up for the national anthem or um, you know the the team photo. But the security guards were on it today, this day, and uh, he he's about to line up. And this guy came from, from right across the the pitch and absolutely smashed him. And uh, I tell you what, when they walked him off too, they were twisting his arms, and uh, he might have got a bit of a touch up when he got out the back, old Java. I'm not sure he's going to do that again. No, I think that he might rethink his next uh, pitch invasion. Uh, now, finally, we mentioned how Arthur Beaton, the great Arthur Beaton, one of the immortals, will be honoured at the new Sydney Football Stadium. And uh, that takes us to that environment, that Moore Park precinct, for our little bit of nostalgia for today, yeah. our war story. And uh, the old SCG change rooms, you spend a lot of time in there. Yeah, it's a fantastic place and, and a real privilege to sit in those change rooms as part of history. And... Uh, when you go into the SCG home change room, there's benches there that you know Bradman used to sit on, and everything's heritage listed. Um, and, and so, and have kept the the real tradition of the change room. They've updated it with some sort of new amenities, but the the, the old seats and out of there. It just reminded me when Steve Small, the former New South Wales opening batsman, and became coach. When he was coach, he held um, a barbecue, drinks at his place, and. Uh, I remember sitting down in his backyard. I just looked down this bench. <laughs> he had one of the benches from the change room. So uh, I think Steve Small might have uh, backed his ute up <laughs> for his last match. <laughs> and one sits beautifully his house out of Banks down there. So uh, good on you, Smalley. I probably shouldn't be telling that story. But, uh, yeah, he has his own little piece of history out there at his home. Oh, Jack Small. <laughs> and a big hello to Jack Small if you're listening. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, wonderful sponsors in O'Brien Beer, Timmy. The beer that loves you back. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. Back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.